Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Hi guys, welcome back. It feels so nice to be back with all of you. This this last two weeks felt kind of long, didn't it? I, I mean, it, it was long for me. I hope it was long for you. <laughs> anyway, we're excited to be back with a new episode with a fresh and feisty guest. I'm actually really stoked about today's guest, Miss Mary Hyatt. Let me give you a little backstory uh, on Miss Mary and I before... I read her official bio. So Mary lives in Nashville, Tennessee. My home, the place that I love, the place where I lived for over a decade before moving to Chicago. And Mary and I have a lot of friends, like really important people in common. And somehow our paths never crossed in person, yet we have followed each other's work online for several years And the stars aligned this week, and we were able to connect for the very first time. We had our very first date, and we did it, uh, we recorded it, so you guys could listen to it. (laughs) This podcast episode is the first time that Mary and I have ever spoken in person, uh, like on video in real life, and it was such a juicy, fun conversation. I brought her on because I knew that she was just a wealth of wisdom and compassion and healing medicine for women everywhere in general. So I set out about this interview uh, to have a really all-encompassing conversation. So we are not talking about any one thing in particular. Mary is really authentic and honest and holds nothing back in sharing a really important part of her life with us, a her transformation story from basically her rock bottom to the journey that led her to where she is now working as a life and business mindset coach. Um, she specializes in helping high achieving female entrepreneurs move from living a life of burnout to a life where they are connected to their emotions, their body, and their spirit. She helps bring her one-on-one and group coaching clients back to their enoughness, their wholeness, and their femininity. It's the title of today's episode, Enoughness, Wholeness, and Living Fully Alive. Mary is the host of the Living Fully Alive podcast that airs weekly where she dives deeper into mindset and helps her listeners learn to embody a life fully lived. She also happens to be a top earner with doTERRA. And for those of you who have ever tried to sell essential oils, that shit is hard and so she is a baller. <laughs> she is a baller. And she uses that baller status to teach women how to support their bodies and emotions holistically. She's also a trained hypnotherapist and a 
Kundalini, that got me, Kundalini yoga instructor. She brings a level of consciousness and soul-focused inner work to everything that she does. You guys, this woman, I'm in love. I'm completely in love. It was our, it was our first date. There will be a second. Um, I caught her on tape saying that. So I have a recording, Mary. So you, now you have to go off me again. <laughs> and I really can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. She just hits on so many things that are so deeply true for women everywhere. She speaks through sharing her personal experience to the collective pain that most of us have known, but also to the exponential hope and healing that is possible for every single one of us. So this is really, really special. I am so grateful that she said yes. Uh, there was It was a last minute situation. I actually had um, an interview all queued up for this week and it got canceled and I was in a tight spot and I was like, you know what? I'm going to follow the prompting of the universe and reach out and see if this will line up. And it did. And I'm so excited. So I'm not going to say any more about it. I'm just going to let you listen. Listen with your full body and your heart. You're going to love, love, love this woman. And the other disclaimer is that James, Miss James Henke, was very present. She was front and center for this entire conversation. She wanted to be a part of it so badly. And you guys are just, you're getting the raw cut. You, you know you are. I, I don't do a ton of editing. I want to keep things as organic as possible. So this is exactly that. And you know you love me for it. So sending that love right back to you. Slide on into mine and Mary's DMs after you've listened to this and keep the conversation going if we hit on something today that you resonate with. All right. Love y'all. Oh my goodness. Mary Hyatt. <laughs> Thanks for joining me at Nothing Confidential, the podcast. <laughs> Girl, this is going to be, uh, I'm pretty confident the best episode you've ever had. I mean, we've got a lot of things going. I, I love the confidence. I, that is something I appreciate <laughs> uh, in, a, in a romantic partner um, immediately. Not that totally. we're romantic yet, but I just, I feel like the spark is there. I feel like it, has, it has potential to go there for sure. A lot of potential. There's chemistry. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'm going to set the scene for you so that you can just go ahead and order an extra side of grace and humor before you listen. And that is that my almost eight month old James, who you all know, well, uh, she is awake as you can hear already. And she basically was supposed to nap through the taping of this episode. And she woke up just in time to start the episode. She's also finding her voice, which is very exciting, and we're celebrating that. Um, but she's she's going to be joining in from time to time. So you guys, <laughs> hey, just hang tight. <laughs> she's got a career she didn't know was already going to put on her. Like she's like she wants to be my co-host. co-host. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's exactly what she wants to do. So we're just going to dive in. This is going to be the most. This is as close to having Mary here in the living room with me as I can get. You know, we're she's she's in Nashville, my former home, my heart's home, and I'm here in Chicago. But we are connecting over video, and we're just going to dive in and have a really juicy conversation because Mary is one of those people 
we have a million like friends and connections and really unique things in common. And yet we somehow had never really crossed paths until just recently, like loving on each other over Instagram. So I love when relationships start that way. The Instagram DMs. (laughs) You know, it's going to be raunchy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to just discover each other and really dig into this whole girl crush, like live in front of you guys. That's basically what's going to (laughs) happen. I hope you have some really great, like first date questions. Oh, I do. Like what's your favorite (laughs) position? Don't say CEO because we're both women. Oh, please, (laughs) please. I can go there. I can get it from behind. Okay. Perfect. I was like, I hope so. Like some kind I hope of- so. Actually standing in the bathroom floor. That's a real, that's a good one. Yeah. Standing is good, but the height has to be right. Like the height is very yes. important on the standing situation. And the height on the counter has got to be like, you got to have a some ledge. leverage, you know? Yeah. The ledge <laughs> has to support like just enough, butt. like you got to be able right. to, to really work on it, lean on it. Totally. <laughs> I hear you. She concurs. She concurs. She's like, yes, get all of that. Female empowerment. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Mary, I want to, because of how we met, I feel like it's appropriate for us to just dig in and I'm going to reference, uh, Instagram posts a lot because that's how I know about your life is I just read about you. I love (laughs) it. (laughs) That's very modern. (laughs) Right. So you posted last week about a really big and important shift that happened in your life when you left your first marriage and I, until I'd read that post, didn't realize that you'd been married before. And I feel like there was a chrysalis. She's really good math for you guys. I thought it was going to be kind of chill, but we'll see. I love it. (laughs) There was a really important chrysalis around this time. So maybe instead of going like all the way back to like baby Mary, we just start when Mary was kind of reborn a couple of years ago. Could we start there and just tell us where you were at that time, what was going on and what led to you busting out of that and starting this journey that you've been on? Yeah. So it's funny because I feel like if your entry point to me is just now, then it really leaves a lot like unsaid. And so I love sharing my story because the only reason I do the work that I do, which is coaching with women, life coaching, business coaching around mindset. Um, and I do that in a bunch of different ways, like group coaching, one-on-one, like what got me here was because I, had to go through it myself. And I feel like that's true for most entrepreneurs and people that are passionate about what they do. It's like their story, their struggle, their trauma ended up becoming their medicine. And I love thinking of it like that because it can help me appreciate the like 1.0 version of myself and that it has purpose. And so if you were to rewind the clock, like honestly, seven, I think it was seven years ago, this, um, no, six years ago, this September, I was in a sweat lodge in Peru, which I frequent very often and go to Peru often to do like spiritual, like work with shaman retreats. Mm -hmm. And I lead other women through these kind of spiritual journeys through sacred ceremony and just seeing these beautiful sacred sites. And so I happened to be in one of those leading this group of women but I was going through all the shit in my marriage and I don't tell the story often, but I feel like your podcast is a really appropriate place to tell it. I mean, Um, nothing, nothing confidential. (laughs) Yeah, this is really not confidential. Um, I have, I have spoken on this before. So, so kind of my marriage, like I got married at 20, 20 years old. Like I couldn't legally drink at my wedding 
And my ex-husband and I, we got divorced right before our 10 year anniversary. So we were together for about nine years and I was a baby. I mean, I was a total baby. And part of that journey was that we ended up becoming caretakers of his nephew who was diagnosed with uh, neuroblastoma cancer mm -hmm. and walked with the sweet little nephew of ours who's two years old when he got diagnosed until he passed at the age of four. And I mean, coming out, we were married for, I think, four months when he got diagnosed. So really like from the onset, his dad moved in with us, who is a bull in China shop and all kinds of things. And from that point on, I think we only lived together alone for a total of two out of those nine years. We always had people living with us kind of in and out. And there was just massive, massive trauma early on. And in the way that our bodies do, we take on the stress that we can't cognitively process and we push it to our bodies. So I developed all kinds of physical ailments like endometriosis, um, jacked up <laughs> thyroid, horrible adrenal fatigue, depression, anxiety. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so I just started coping with like alcohol, food, medication, anything that I could to just numb out and distract myself. And so, and then, and part of my journey is fast forward as I was sort of like figuring out who I was again, I ended up cheating on my husband at the time. And we tried to work through that for, for a time. And when I think about that person, who I was, not to mention I was 240 pounds, so like 70 pounds heavier than I am currently. Um, I, I, part of me can't even like resonate with that woman, and yet she was totally me. And so I'm like showing the worst parts of who I am, like on every level, like literally every level. And I'm like, this is not me. Like I'm not even 30 years old. Like there has got to be more to life than this misery and just just anxiety and checked out of life kind of living. And so it was that moment in Peru where I'm in the sweat lodge and the shaman is chanting in Spanish and it's hot and it's dark and it's, we're sweating and we're naked that I finally just said enough is enough. I can't keep going on like this. And I ended up calling my husband at the time that night and saying, I can't do this. And what's crazy is from that day, I never went home. Mm. He happened to be in Europe traveling at the time and we got divorced. Like when I left for Peru was the last time we were together as a couple and it was just crazy. And so that's kind of like, that was not at the very beginning of my journey. I was obviously doing work at that time. Um, but that was the kind of the, be the beginning of my giving myself permission to totally and completely step into who I was and reinvent my life, which I've been doing now for the past six years at an even deeper level. So that is the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to come at you like I would if we were literally just in a coffee shop and Good. like, yeah, please. Curiosity that sparked where my brain goes as I'm hearing these things. Yeah. I'm curious about how much, because you, I get the sense that you were, you know, born and raised, uh, it's in the South. Southish, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nashville, yep. Bible Belt, like are dealing with all that. So, yeah. especially within those cultures, um, marriage at an early age is super common, and then yeah. the as women, the the martyr, the martyrdom that we've been modeled. So there is like some sort of um, you know path to God and holiness and being a good person by staying in perpetual states of suffering, especially if it's for other people. Yeah, and there's lots of guilt that comes with that. And I'm just wondering if your 
A, if you stayed, you felt like you stayed in that pain and in that trauma and in that situation out of some sort of obligation to goodness. Like that's what a good woman and a good wife does. And then obviously with the cheating and everything, that was, that was your higher, you know, people are going to disagree, but your higher self trying to detonate the situation, basically you were self-sabotaging to get out of that situation because you felt powerless to leave. Can you like, am I leading the witness so much right now? Or is that all, is that all connected? <laughs> You're you? completely wrong. No, <laughs> no, you are 100% right. I mean, like I often say that the cheating for me, I was throwing a grenade at my relationship. And I think that's like when I can come at it from a place of compassion and not guilt and shame, which believe me, I've had to do some serious work around this. Cause it's like the initial judgment, like how could I be a person that would do that to somebody? Um, but when I look at it from a place of compassion, it's like, I was hurting so deeply and desiring to feel anything. And I was like, like I said, numb, flatline, checked out. There was not passion in our relationship. There was not, um, any aliveness in our relationship. I mean, I felt like a shell of the person that I, that I am. And I didn't have in my own self, I hadn't given myself permission to use my voice. Cause like you said, I had been taught to keep quiet, to stay quiet, to be small. And that was echoed back to me in so many different ways, not only from the way I was raised, but then entering into the marriage so young and just sort of like handing off my power to him. Cause he was almost 10 years older than me. Mm. So it was very much like, Oh, well, you know, more you're, you're wiser, you know, kind of, kind of feeling. And I shrunk. It was like, I mean, I, I ultimately didn't feel like I knew anything. I felt stupid. Like, I, I can't even tell you, he would say things to me like, does that make sense? Or do you understand? Mm. And I just felt so dumb. And, and if you know anything about me, I'm really smart. I mean, I was like, (laughs) I mean, I, I straight A student in in college or in in high school and all that. And then, I mean, I have an insanely successful business now. And I realized like, oh my gosh, like I bought into this lie that was kind of fed to me that women don't know as much as men. And especially like around money, and for me, I don't know if you, I've heard you talk about this a lot, just kind of your appetite for sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have, have, and had such an appetite for sexuality. And I did not know how to express that in a way that felt safe inside of my marriage. Like that felt very judged. Even the times when I brought it up or talked about things that I might want, um, it was definitely dismissed. And there wasn't even like a context to even know how to bring that part of myself forward. It was like, this feels true, like in my being, and yet it feels wrong in context. And I don't know how to make peace with that. And so the only answer was, well, if you just stuff it down deep enough and put it, you know, in the reservoir, then maybe you'll be okay. And obviously sexuality is life. And so like, all parts of me went into that reservoir, not just my sexuality, but all of life, all of pleasure, all of joy went down there, all sensuality. And man, it just like breaks my heart when I think about that woman who I was and just that that felt like the only and best option. Yeah. And I, I know, I was going to say, I think, and that's not true. I know that so many women right now are relating to you and to that experience, even if they didn't cheat on their partner 
we find other ways to, to, to numb. We find other ways to blow up the shit that we don't have the courage or even know how we're too overwhelmed and too traumatized to, to understand the first step of getting free. And so we just, you know, we do, we, cope. We figure out coping mechanisms. And for some people, you know, that looks like forcing, you know, the universe's hand, so to speak, to get out of something. And for other people, it's literally eating yourself to death or drinking yourself to death or medicating yourself to death. And I love what you just said about how, you know, with sexuality and that, that is my soapbox. I will be on until I die. Yeah. (laughs) That sexuality is the seat of creativity, of life, of ooey gooey goodness, flow, intuition, wisdom, like your connection to your sovereign personhood. And when you squash that, everything that it is containing is also squashed. And what a betrayal of self, like what an abandonment of self. And so then there's this layering of trauma, the trauma that we perceive has happened to us that was beyond our control. And then the trauma that we unconsciously have, you know, done to ourselves through that self abandonment and that betrayal. And then the guilt to add the icing to the shit cake, the guilt that comes in from the pieces that we chose, as well as how we responded to the pieces that we didn't. And it's a wonder that anybody fucking ever figures this out. So thank God that. Well, I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, really it's like, it's like, wow. I mean, when I think of it in those terms, I just feel so proud of myself and so resilient and so resourceful, like baby step by baby step, because it doesn't start with drinking yourself to death or eating Mm -hmm. yourself to death. It is these little micro moments of denying your needs or Mm -hmm. not listening to yourself. And trying to buffer from the pain in the ways that we do when we're experiencing either chronic trauma or in therapy terms, little T trauma, not big T trauma, some of those more kind of obscure things that we wouldn't go, oh, wow, that's trauma. You know, I'm I'm not being abused or I'm not being sexually harassed or things like that, but that we experience trauma so often from the little T perspective that we end up buffering from that pain. And it starts out with a little bit of overeating times a week to every night a week. And so it's just interesting that the more we deny that voice inside of ourselves, the more we deny the part of ourselves that is asking so deeply for some attention, for some loving. And when we say, nope, I can't hear you. Nope. I can't listen to you. Nope. That's not okay to say that. And we, and we, push that down. It's like, that is when, like you said, it's like a million times over, we are breaking trust with ourselves. We're abandoning ourselves, And that for me has been so much of the journey back to living fully alive, to this enoughness, to this wholeness is rebuilding trust with myself in, in the same way, a million micro little moments of going, I hear you. I see you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm right here and kind of rebuilding, coming back to the self over and over again. There's, there's so much, there's so much there. I am really relating to what you're saying about, you know, the, the self abandonment, it's death by a thousand cuts. It's, it's a tiny, it's a tiny bunch of tiny little things over and over a little chronic. It's chronic. You know, it's ongoing, long standing. And I definitely feel like 
those little things, like we don't, like you're talking about capital T trauma. And I just want to reiterate for all of the listeners that trauma, the definition of trauma is, or at least the somatic definition of trauma is any, any situation, any occurrence, any interaction, anything that made you feel unsafe in your body. And, and that can be a lot of things. So you guys taking that broader definition and applying it to whatever, like we've all experienced trauma and it's locked in ourselves. You know, the body keeps the score. That book by um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk is an incredible, you know, book about that, just about how yeah. we, you know, talk therapy and everything brings this awareness the, to the head part of us. But then the body part of us where the trauma is actually stored, where the trauma occurred that part isn't always brought up to speed. And that's why, you know, body work is really important in the yeah. healing process. Um, but I would love for you to talk, like, take us through, you, you have the big moment in the sweat lodge. Like that's very Liz Gilbertish of you. So <laughs> totally. good, good on you for that. And you like get this realization and things just, they just start moving. Things are moving. I'm sure it didn't feel like you knew where you were going at the time. I'm sure it was very swirly and chaotic and probably terrifying and all kinds of things. And so you like from this greater experience, you've created this whole, um, life for yourself around living fully alive, you know, yeah. whereas before you were, you were numb, everything was shut off. Everything was diluted and diminished and shrunk and shoved down. And now you're living fully alive and you're teaching other women how to live fully alive. Can you just talk to us about like, how did you get from that place of being super squashed to actually like, what were some of the the things that happen between being super squashed and living fully alive. Like I'm what was some of the reclaiming? Like, <laughs> I love that super squash, but I've never said it like that, but I like that. You were like so squashed and I'm now you're so fully squashed. alive. So fill us in like in the middle. <laughs> um, gosh, you know, when I think about my journey, it was, it was a very sobering journey because you know, where I thought maybe the journey would be a lot of like, oh, let me just blame him and kind of like point him out as the bad guy. And I get off scot-free. It's like, actually, you have to do the work around you. Like your patterns that are showing up. And I don't just mean the cheating. I mean, again, the self-abandonment. So for me, it was such a journey back to really beginning to create a relationship with myself. Because also, you have to remember, when you are living in a larger body and that was not my like normal size and I'm like totally body positive. So I, I'm definitely not like in this vein of saying, if you live in a larger body, it's bad. But for me, that was my way of coping. That was way of staying safe, of, of adding layers of protection on my body. And I had always been a really um, fit teenager, always played soccer, different sports. So this was abnormal for me. And in that process, it was like, not only the psychological piece, but the physical body piece. Like I hated my body so much. And I mean, like, I mean, I just feel like every woman can identify with that little voice. I call it the body bully that comes in and says like, how dare you wear that? You're gross. You are disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. Just like sickening feeling towards your body when you look at yourself in the mirror. And for gosh, about, um, probably most of my marriage, right? At least six or seven years, I did not own a full length mirror. And so I only looked at myself from like my collarbone up, like whatever you could see to put on makeup. And we had a bathroom that I could shower and lock the door. Like I did not want to be seen naked. I did not want to 
be naked in front of my spouse. Like I was so ashamed of my body. So right after that moment in Peru, I ended up going to, um, uh, Miami for a month just to kind of like recalibrate and just get some space real quick. And during that month, I decided that I was going to get ready in the mirror every day naked, like not put on clothes, not put on underwear and bra, but like literally look at myself. And it was as much as a like sexual kind of like, oh, I'm going to like really like get into myself. But it was really not really so much that as it was like being willing to see myself, being willing to look at my body, being willing to look at my eyes totally naked metaphorically and literally and and look at my eyes and I would do this I would look at I call it mirror work which I've learned from Louise Hay although she didn't really um suggest doing this naked but but she talks about like looking at yourself in the mirror and in your own eyes and saying I love you and I would do that every morning for this month I would I would look in the mirror and I would say Mary I love you and I would say it enough times until it emotionally clicked with me. Cause the first few times it was sort of like detached. Yeah. Or it feels like you're lying to yourself. You're like, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm doing this because Louise says to do this. Totally. Yeah. But I was like, be faithful to the practice, mm-hmm. like be faithful to the journey. And I intuitively just really felt like I needed to do this. And after that month, I mean, I cannot even tell you the healing that occurred from just being willing to stand in my own presence because my whole life was like hiding, hiding from myself, hiding myself from others, being secret about desires that I had. And I don't even mean sexual desires. I mean, just like purpose desires, identity desires, things that made me come alive. Like I wouldn't even voice those. So being willing to look at myself and that obviously translated to the rest of my journey and like finding my voice and standing in my authenticity. But just that moment of being willing to, to, to hang out naked with myself really to me was like the moment where my whole mindset shifted towards myself and I gave myself permission to be seen. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And the fact that you, like you gave yourself that permission, I think so many of us, and it's, it's beautiful and it's valuable to have other women come along the path and, and reach back to us and extend a compassionate, empathetic hand and give us that permission. And a lot of times we need that. A lot of times that's the first step, but just in that moment that you had the awareness based on everything that you've been through already, where you were just like, I'm, I'm ending this now. Like I'm going to grant myself, like I'm going to anoint myself the one, like I'm going to give myself the permission to do this work. I think that is so, I just want to honor you for that because that takes extreme courage and it's so beautiful. And I also, I'm highlighting that because James is like preach sister or testify. Um, I'm highlighting that because for all of you listening, like you all possess the power to do that any, any time. Like sometimes it doesn't feel like it and it's not in the script that we were given, but you, you do have the power. You can choose at any point to anoint yourself, to designate yourself, to give permission to yourself for, for your own freedom, for your liberation. Like it is within your reach. And I just, I think we need to be told that more because it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel intuitive because we've been conditioned to not trust ourselves. We've been conditioned not to listen to our intuition. And so there's an unlearning that has to happen. And something that I want to go back and dig into a little bit more is your fear and avoidance of your deepest desires. 
hello. Do you need something? <laughs> you all right? It's like, all right. Seems like we're good. Uh, you know, of the deepest desires, because as women, yeah. like sexually and non-sexually, we have yeah. such a hard time. Like I work with women specifically around sex and sexuality, but it's, I mean, we laugh all the time because we get there and they're like, I thought we were going to talk about sex. It's like the sex benefits, but we end up talking about all the shit because it all affects the sex. Like they all are connected and right. you can't actually talk about one without the other. And one of the biggest things is like, oh, I don't know what I want because we're disconnected from our desires. We're disconnected from pleasure. We're disconnected from the intuition that guides us to the things that we want and find pleasurable. And so if you are up for it, I would love for you to just like share, like say out loud so people understand what the examples are of, of desires that you had that you couldn't, that you didn't feel like you could admit to. They didn't feel like you could yeah. say, like, what is some stuff that you want? Yeah. And I, and I also, I have, I want to share a few other things too on that because there's, yeah, you said so much and I'm like, yes, it's so, so good. <laughs> but I think for me, <laughs> for me at the time it was, um, like I really wanted to work with money. I felt like I was really good with money, but I was in a relationship where my spouse handled that. And I'll just take how I felt about it at the time was he doesn't think I can do it or he thinks I'm stupid. So it was that kind of feeling of like kind of second guessing my ability and just sort of like this feels like something that I'm innately good with. And yet I, maybe I'm actually not good with it. Um, some of the desires, I think, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And so a lot of it was kind of tied around business, but even like things like, um, uh, I wanted to, you know, redecorate something or make a really delicious meal or, um, and I just kind of felt like, well, what's the point? Why do that? Or you don't deserve that. You're not bringing in any money, you know, cause I was a stay at home wife. Um, why would you spend his money? Um, I had a lot about like preferences. So like, for example, that was one of the things I had to really learn in finding my voice was to have a preference in everything. So one of my phrases that I would say often was, Oh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm easy. And I would say I'm easy all the time. So like, if he'd say like, where do you want to go to dinner? Oh, well, where, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. Like I'm easy. Or we'd be on a trip or we'd be doing something. And when there was a time where he would ask for my opinion or my preference, I would already like always pitch it back to him and just say like, I'm easy, whatever, because I was terrified to disappoint him. And I was terrified dissolve our relationship. And so it was as small as just having a preference that I didn't feel safe having. And mm -hmm. so part of my like healing was like learning no matter any, when anybody asks me any question about an opinion to voice it, even if it's tiny, 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 like where you're going to go out to eat or how do you like the f towels folded or um, do you prefer to drive or to be the passenger? Like, it doesn't matter, like whatever it is that I learned to have a vote in how I wanted the quality of my life to be and that that was safe and okay. So a lot of it was like those kinds of things, like little, like seemingly unimportant things that over time when they added up, all of a sudden I was living somebody else's life and not my own. Mm. And so one of the, the kind of like mental mindset things that I had to keep asking myself as I was coming out of this, what was, what rules have I created that aren't really rules? Yep. And it's like, sometimes we think things are hard and fast rules. And in reality, like they're just somebody else's preference. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was like, oh, like I've been creating this rule out of, you know, whatever it is that it has to go this way or it has to be this way or I have to show up this way or it can't be that or it can't be this. And that's literally somebody else's opinion on my life. And so it was like, what rules have I created that aren't really rules? And do I want to keep playing this out or do I want it to be different? Do I want a new rule for myself? And just kind of thinking on those terms. And so I remember this is the last thing I'll share about this, which is, which is a fun exercise I do with my clients. But um, I kind of came up with it for myself. My mom used to tell us as kids when we were little to go on a treasure hunt every day when we would go to school. And so she, we would have this exercise when we got home at night where we'd sit around the dinner table and she would ask us all, what was the best thing that happened to you today? And so, I mean, this is like still in our family, we do this if we have, you know, meals together as what was the best thing that happened to you today? And sometimes we'd be like, oh, I don't want to go to school or whatever. And so she'd go, all right, go on a treasure hunt today and find, you know, two or three best things or whatever. And what I decided to do as an adult is change that word treasure to pleasure. Mm. Go on a pleasure hunt. Yes, girl. Because we don't know what brings yes, us pleasure. Yes, girl. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> yes. so I think about that scene in Amelie that French movie where it. she no, starts talking about like the hands and the lima beans at the, the market, how that brings her pleasure mm -hmm. and the sound of uh, creme brulee cracking with her spoon that brings her pleasure. And to me, it's like, we have to discover that and go out on a pleasure hunt mm -hmm. and list out in a day. Like what brought me pleasure today? It could be the sound of your child laughing, go on a pleasure hunt. And that's how you learn. And I had to do that myself. Mm, that's so good. So, yeah. so good. Uh, and and that, yeah, it's super easy. And it goes back to something that I teach, which is around expanding, not only expanding our capacity for pleasure, but our understanding of how, how much pleasure is available to you at any given time. Because I think the word pleasure has been linked to sex, like in right. our super unconscious, like totally fucked up yet overly sexualized, uh, society, like culture, yeah. we have linked that word to sex. And so when I ask women, you know, like what their pleasure, what, what's pleasurable for them, they literally are trying, I can see them. I can see the gears. They're trying to think back to the last time they had sex and whether or not they enjoyed it. Like that's literally totally. what they're thinking of. And they don't think of pleasure being, you know, a cool breeze coming through the window and raising all the hair on your arms and like sending a shock through your body or, yeah you know, putting a piece of dark chocolate in your mouth. And like the first minute that that hits your tongue and your mouth starts to salivate, like these little, it's these little things that are sensual, but not necessarily sexual. And it right. is getting into, into the senses. It's, it's getting back into our body. It's creating embodied safety. It's showing us that it is safe to experience good things. It is safe to experience pleasure in our body. And that will benefit you leaps and bounds in the bedroom, but it starts outside of the bedroom. Like all of that starts totally. outside. Well, it's presence. I mean, it's like slowing down to be present for the moment. Like that's the only way that you can experience pleasure in my opinion is when you yep. are noticing. And as women, I think we have a challenging situation. I think we're at a disadvantage in this because of diet culture and because we have been taught from early on to be thin and to deny ourselves yep. and to restrict and to be small. And so to me, a really helpful question if you're having a hard time, like finding pleasure is to do it from the opposite lens to see where am I denying myself pleasure? Mm. So like, for example, um, I am in a house where like, 
I, first of all, I love interior design. I love things full of beauty. Like I'm super Southern, like I want everything like just gorgeous. And so in my home, I realized that through therapy, through a therapy session that like, I didn't feel comfortable in my home, that it wasn't a safe space for me to relax. And so my therapist was like, go out to freaking Kirkland's and buy yourself the most hideous, comfortable, comfy, cozy blanket so that you can curl up with something on your couch. And if you want to put that away in your closet, when guests come over, then do that. And I was like, I have been literally trying to cover myself when I watch Netflix or whatever with this scratchy, like, um, you know, African sewn, you know, yep. eco blanket. That's like not like comfortable, but not comfy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm denying myself pleasure or like, we deny ourselves dessert. Mm -hmm. We deny ourselves uh, the glass of wine and we have to be a good girl kind of bringing it full circle. Yep. And that looks like denying ourselves. So I think sometimes we can ask that question in a different way of how am I denying myself pleasure in ways that like, again, why am I even doing that? Nobody's yeah. told me to do that. That's just yeah. like learned behavior. And like, wait a second. I don't like that. I don't like that about myself. Like I want to invite in pleasure mm. um, and start saying yes to those things that you've been denying yourself from. Ugh. It's powerful. I feel I was going to like literally 15 minutes ago, I was like, that's our sound clip. And then you just said that. And I was like, that's our sound clip. <laughs> You find yourself doing that now that you have a podcast. You're like oh, listening yeah. and you're like, I'm listening for the sound clip so that I yes. know where to go get it. Totally. <laughs> and James wasn't in the background on that one. So yeah, that's probably going to be it. <laughs> uh, so I would love to, um, speaking of pleasure and it is, it is connected to sex and sexuality because again, yeah. presence, presence is required for sexual pleasure as well, ladies, yeah. because when you leave your body during sex when you dissociate, mm. um, you're not having great sex. That's for sure. And so yeah. I want, uh, I would love for you to share anything that you feel like sharing on how you, I mean, it can be a how, or it can literally just be the story of reclaiming that sexual part of yourself that always existed that, you know, as I coined earlier, got super squashed during your, you know, yes. that first period during that marriage, during that relationship. Um, you know, reclaiming your sexuality and how, how it's doing today. You and your partner are beautiful. And I love seeing yeah. like just pictures of you guys and learning about your interactions. And you're obviously in a really conscious, healthy, grounded yeah. relationship now, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Hey. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Something, my love. It's okay. You're such a good mom. I just love seeing you. You're just like, it's all right. I'm listening. <laughs> She's like, guys, this, this is very new. And it's, it does make me laugh because she wants to, I feel like she really wants to be part of the conversation when right. I, she only does this when I'm talking to someone on the phone or when I'm having a conversation, like she, all day long, if I'm not speaking to anyone, she doesn't do that. She literally right. just wants to be part of it. She's like, they're talking. So I should girl talk, girl talking talk. too. Yeah. That's so cute. Um, so yeah, reclaiming, reclaiming your, your sexuality, the evolution of that. Um, yeah. and then I'll throw in one more thing. Cause I just can't stop. Like, I sure. you know, I can't stop myself. <laughs> The, I'm sure there was uh, a buttload of shame around you feeling led to cheat on your husband, to blow up your relationship. Um, I imagine that even if it wasn't external, there was internal slut shaming that occurred. So like also battling the like healing or integrating, embracing the shame piece while yeah. reclaiming your sexual wholeness mm. and good. <laughs> 
and go. I feel like this could be a whole. It like, could, and you thing. can come back. You can, you can come back, and we'll do a whole episode on this. Give us the reader digest version. <laughs> Number two, um, yeah, I think honestly, the word that comes to my mind is embody. And I was so disassociated from my body. I had to be in order to to exist in that environment. And so as I started coming back to my body, obviously, like it wasn't a love at first whatever. It was like, this feels awkward. I don't know what to do. Like I remember again in Peru, we were having a fire ceremony and I had a couple people that were there that were just very free in their body, which was super triggering by the way, to me, I actually wrote a post about this today about how anybody that embodied sexuality or were free in their, in their bodies. I just like, I didn't even know what to do with that. And I would instantly judge women who were that free. But in this moment, this woman who I had worked with several times before in Peru, um, and we had a beautiful relationship. She was very sensual. I mean, to the point where I was like, are you hitting on me kind of thing, you know, which she may have been, I don't know, but she came, but I trusted her. I really, you know, would adore you her. Blame her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it now. Um, so, but she came over to me and she put her hands on my hips and she was like, you're so locked up in your hips. And so she tried to help me move and like become more free. And honestly, I was like, I fucking hate this. Get off of me. Get away I was from just, me. I was so embarrassed. You know, it was like, it felt like something I should know how to do that I couldn't mm-hmm. access. And it was like, I've always kind of felt that my lower part of my body has been very numb. Like if you tell me to isolate muscles there and move them and working out, it's, it's can be challenging for me to get there. You know, it's like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, it's like, I can't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I felt just very, very far away from my body. So honestly, what brought me back to my body to really embody that, that eventually threaded itself into my, my sexual life was yoga. And I mean, I think that, you know, um, Bessel van der Kolk talks about this and, um, in, in that book that you were mentioning earlier, and it's so good for trauma that, that ability to get in your body through breath, through gentle movement that has no objective other than that. Like it's not about exercise. It's not about burning calories. It's not about, um, achieving. It's like, how can I bring more presence into what's here and the subtle sensations, like feeling the tips of my fingers, feeling the space between my fingers, um, feeling the, the, the part of my back that pops up off the ground, feeling that space, feeling behind my breastbone into my heart. Like I learned how to do that. This is one of the things that I, that I love to talk about in my, the membership that I have is this, this idea of, of the subtle sensations of listening to your body. And you can imagine how this is going to translate into my sex life, like just knowing my body, knowing what I like, what feels good, being able to ask for more of those things, Owning being able your to actual be, desire. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like experimenting and being like, like yesterday we were having sex, uh, my partner and I were having sex and typically my nipples like feel amazing. Okay. Like when he goes all out on them and yesterday, for whatever reason, probably because of my cycle where I was in my cycle, I was ovulating and they were so sensitive and I was able to say like, I need you to be more gentle. Whereas before I would have felt like, 
oh, I don't want to embarrass him that like, he mm. knows that I usually like it kind of rough and he's doing what I've asked him before and I'm changing the rules on him. It's like, no, like I'm listening to my body my body's saying, please be more gentle. Mm -hmm. Like that hurts, you know? And so I could say like, Hey, like ease up a little bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. And then it's like, same thing with my, uh, clip. It was like yep. too hard or normally that pressure would have been fine. And so it's like learning those, by the way, I've never talked about my sex life on a podcast. This I love that me. this is happening. And so, just to validate you, I was also <laughs> having sex last night. So great Get for it, us. Girl. Good for us. High five across the screen. Beep, beep. And uh, it was a similar, I mean, it was a similar thing. He was doing like part of what he was doing was great. And the other part was like too hard. And I was like, no, I need like hard thrust, soft scruff. Like you're like, scrubbing, yeah. you're like scrubbing my clit at the same like velocity that you're like pounding me. And I need you to like pound hard, but like, keep your hands off. Like I know that's well, a lot, but like you're doing great. But I mean, honestly, and, and to me, the beautiful part, and this is inside and outside of sex is like honoring where our body is in mm. this exact moment. And that's why I love yoga because I could be doing the same practice every day and every day it's going to be a different experience. Different. Yeah. It feels yeah. Based on where I am, like emotionally, what I've got going on in my day, even like, again, where I'm on in my cycle, like yeah. I might be extra emotional, extra hormonal. And so just to respect that wisdom and honor that versus being like, Oh, well you should be able to do this. You did it last time you know, or you should be this yeah. flexible because you were two days ago, or you should like it this rough because you liked it that rough before. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I get to be inside of that embodiment and like feel it through and through. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been like the most beautiful part of the journey is like to be in my body and to be okay with where it is at any given moment. Mm, I love that. I love yeah. that. All right. So to up the juice factor, because I know that I can now, I'm going to yes. ask you, what is something that in like your former life, you, you maybe fantasized about that you want, that you really wanted, that you would have loved oh. to have experienced and you didn't feel like you could ask, or you couldn't even receive it if you did that you now are able to enjoy. Oh, I mean, <laughs> so much. <laughs> so I mean, you much. can do top five if you want, like whatever. Um, I feel like the biggest one was I not always would say this kind of jokingly, but I never actually had the guts to ask for it or like to even attempt to try it. What I, and this was like, throw me up against a wall and pull my hair. Like mm. to me, I was just like, I wanted to be taken. Yep. But I didn't feel like that was okay. Mm -hmm. And so it was like that. I mean, because that was like good girls fantasy. don't want to be roughed up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so now like, this is so funny. Yesterday I've, I've finally have been able to share this recently about the hair pulling, um, with my partner Bentley and, you know, he's been kind of doing it. And, and yesterday I literally had to say, actually get back in there and get into the roots and yep. then get deep. Don't grab the end of my ponytail, like grab, <laughs> grab so the nape so, of my neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like get in, get into like the, the scalp part of it. And again, like subtleties. And I know that because I like, again, it's self-awareness of that to be able to ask for it. But I can ask for those things. And not that I want that every time we have sex. Of course not. Like I like to have a range of what that looks like, but I would have never been able to voice mm. that previously. And yeah. so that feels like that. just even just instruct 
at all during yeah. a sexual experience feels really liberating. Mm, to feel safe, to have that communication and to have someone yes. that you 100% trust that they are there to actually give you pleasure. They are there to take care of you and to grant your desires. And so it's safe to let those things be known because they're going to be met. They're going to be yeah. accepted or exceeded. And I think that that's really beautiful. And that's that's the goal, y'all. That's why well, I talk just, about all the time, like communication is such a huge thing, but before the communication is the knowing of yourself because you right. can't communicate what you need if you don't know what you need. Totally. And it's a spectrum, right? Like to me, it's those baby steps, those micro moments where like I've gotten better at that over time, not only with my own self-awareness, but I've gotten better at that over time in voicing those things and like kind of testing the water and dipping my toe in like, is it safe to say this? Can I say this? Um, am I willing to be rejected if I say this, you know, all those kinds of things and like testing out the waters to where now I've been with Bentley for four years. So like now it's very safe and we totally have that open communication and it's a lot easier, but we didn't necessarily start that way. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so it's like, it has grown, that has grown over time for sure. Mm. I love that. I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. I feel like that is, <laughs> we've established that. And I do yeah. I say that a lot, but I, this is especially true right now. Uh, but you do have at the time of this recording, at the time that it is in people's ears, you have an amazing program that is going on or a membership that is being launched as we speak. And the cart closes yeah. tonight, Wednesday, closes Wednesday yes. at midnight. Would you share with us what that is, what it's about, what it entails, what you're doing in there? Yeah, totally. So it is a monthly online membership where, so my podcast is called Living Fully Alive. And each uh, month we focus on a specific topic that has to do with feeling fully alive and kind of this self-discovery journey. So what we do inside of the membership is we take that content from the podcast and we dive deeper into it through daily devotional practices. So every month my members get two guided meditations one regular guided meditation around the topic of the month, and then a full moon meditation that we do live together. They also get a yoga class. I'm a certified Kundalini yoga instructor. So we do a, a 60 minute yoga class. It's recorded that you can do throughout the month. Um, there's also a journal workbook. So there's five days of journal prompts. And I really like that because that's kind of like really getting into what's been holding you back. What stories have you been telling yourself that aren't serving you and like doing the kind of cognitive work around it. And then, um, we do a live Q&A and live coaching call once a month, which is really great. And they also get a free essential oil blend recipe uh, for the month's topic and a mantra for the month. So it's a really beautiful blend of like the cognitive work, kind of getting into the psychology, what's, what's in our subconscious, but also with this embodiment work where we're getting into the body, we're learning how to move it and feel it um, through meditation, through this yoga practice. And we do that in this container of, we have a beautiful Facebook group. So if you're interested, if you're looking for a community of women who are doing this deep dive work, um, uh, it's super affordable. It's $49 a month and you can cancel anytime, which is great. You can also pay annually. It's four ninety for the year. So you save like a hundred bucks, I think, um, from doing it month to month, but for more info, you can go to, this is where I like to put on my like radio yeah, show voice. Do it. <laughs> I'm like, for more info, please go to maryhyatt.com forward slash circle forward slash uh, circle. Circle. Did you hear that? <laughs> circle. <laughs> 
thank you for letting me have my infomercial. Oh, of course. And you guys, I will and now for 1995, four payments. Of yeah. I will um, put all of this in the show notes for you guys. So it's super easy. I will also link all of Mary's socials so that you can go appropriately stalk her and respectfully stalk her. Um, respectfully stalking someone PS is not letting them know, like, don't deep like things. Like you can go read, but like deep liking it like year one just makes people uncomfortable. So I feel like you shouldn't I do love that. It. Boundary. That's amazing. Boundary, uh, Mary, you are an actual Ooh. earth angel and I am just, I want to acknowledge you for the transformational and compassionate work that you're doing with women and how just the healing that happens there and that you, the healing that you facilitate is lifting us all higher and uh, contributing to the collective healing that is so needed right now. So thank you so much mm. for being here and for expressing yourself authentically and for having an amazing sense of humor and just like going along for the baby co-hosted um, ride. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would say this is a successful first date and I hope there are many more to come. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to play shy. I would, I would like a second. I would like a second. Hey girl. Hey. With you. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least shaken things up in a productive way. Anne Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.